0: Hi, it has been a while. I'm your host, Dr. Antoinette D. Coslow, DHA, and you are listening to the Big T Trauma. I know because of mental health I have taken a break, but I am back, and I'm not going to go ahead and dwell on that. I'm just going to go forward with this episode. On today's show, I will tackle the elephant in the room. Are you or were you a victim of sexual assault? And did you claim Your victim status or survivorship status. And again, just go ahead and I'll note that there is a trigger warning for this episode. We will not go into any gory details, but there is a trigger warning anyway. And again, we are on this path of owning our shit. The pretty parts, the not so pretty parts, and all the trauma in between. We will continue down our path of reclaiming our truth our story and our destiny while self-correcting our trajectory and again the memories and interpretations of such memories revelations and sentiments are strictly my own these are my experiences over the last 40 plus years of being on this planet so let's go ahead and get started and if society does not deem an individual or group rapable are they still victims And how can one reclaim a sense of self, worth, and purpose when the mainstream media tries to diminish or overt your experiences? Because for black and brown women and children, being a victim can be a double-edged sword. On one hand, you are often attacked by family, friends, acquaintances, the legal system, and a popular public opinion because you are often deemed responsible even if only partially responsible for whatever attack you experienced and on the other hand you are attacked and often vilified by family friends acquaintances the legal system and again popular public opinion as less deserving of grace support, empathy, or resources and tools needed to heal, be it medically, mental health related, or otherwise. How does one acknowledge your victim status in a hostile world held bent, for lack of a better word, or sentiment, on destroying and exploiting to the fullest black bodies, which happen to be people with lives that matter, even if only, if it matters only to those who love them and who care about them and who rely on them. They still matter. And the reason why I mention a system held bent is regardless of how you see the world, America has four plus hundred years of exploitation of black bodies, from human trafficking, from Africa, all the way over to the Americas and the Caribbean. We're not talking about the Arab slave trade or the Asian slave trade that also took black bodies away from the continent. But going on back to what I was saying, staying on topic, examples of popular opinion include the notion that little girls are often fast, but they get what they get. The sentiments are often accepted without challenge within a black, within the black community and the large community as a whole. And this is utterly wrong on many levels. Adults are adults. They are supposed to do to protecting or at least not cause harm. And when people often refer to, especially little girls, as being fast, that is a form of adultification. It is a term for the sentiments above. And again, another complete meaning or definition includes viewing children, usually African-American children, as being older, more mature, wiser, and all-knowing, and therefore more likely to be punished for acting their actual age. Children experience adultification are often exposed to adult things at an earlier age. Again going into adultification bias. It may be upheld. As a perpetuated stereotype. Of African Americans. Such as. The Je- the Z- Jezebel. Don't know why I can't say that today. Let me say that again. Jezebel. Sapphire. Mammy stereotypes. That have existed in our society. For a very long time. Since these stereotypes represent the opposite standards of femininity and respect, black girls and women are often seen as unfeminine, disrespectful, mature, loud, and hypersexual. The idea that black children are not children may impact the hypersexualization of black girls. And this often starts as early as age five. Black girls are often seen more mature, and knowledgeable on adult uh, adult appropriate topics such as sex let that sit with you for a moment and again you may ask why are we going down this path why are we even talking about these things well there's a number of reasons because first of all in order to heal you must acknowledge the hurt the injury or the injustice done or suffered. And many mental health professionals can tell you that. So anyone who's listening to this podcast who seems triggered or annoyed that I mentioned that children are children and they're not responsible for the adult actions um, in which sexual assault or molestation occur, if they really want to get to the root of how they feel and dig deep they should ask themselves why 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 and finally why why do you see these kids as adults why do you believe that these children with underdeveloped brains can stand up to an adult why do you believe that children in this country, let alone up many others, are the charge of their parents or guardians because they are the adults? Why do you think children would have a hand in their own demise? And going on into that, talking about the demise, there are many different definitions of sexual assault. And victims do not always mirror the image that society wants to project. And negative experiences of sex can also be harmful and can also exploit individuals as well. So now I'm gonna talk a little bit about Dr. Mary Koss. But for a moment, we're gonna go ahead and take a quick break and we'll be right back. okay so I'm going to go ahead and talk about Dr. Mary Koss and let me go ahead and give you a description of Dr. Mary Koss she is a professor and she is actually one of the individuals responsible for many terms that we now know as date rape acquaintance rape that has permeated our society within the last 30 to 40 years. Before that, there was not necessarily a term that many victims identified with. While doing a lot of research on this subject, Dr. Mary Koss was hearing from women in her surveys that their definitions of sexual experiences lined up with criminal, the criminal definition of rape. However, these women did not see themselves necessarily as rape victims. They would describe being physically forced to have sex with their boyfriends, being blacked out, drunk, being coerced and being on dates. And for the majority of these women, they found out that or they described these experiences as some of the worst experiences of their lives, but they did not call it rape. At that time in society, back in, I guess it was the 60s and 70s, most people assumed rape was a situation in which it was stranger danger. Someone jumps out of the woods or a bush in an unfamiliar place and assaults you. Most people did not seem to be aware that rape could happen among acquaintances, among spouses. And and among other people that you may be intimate with or have familial relationships with. But each and every one of those individuals in those in the surveys she did in the research did describe these experiences as being, if not the worst experience of their lives, but a very bad experience that they did not want to repeat. So why is this important, The, the, the definition of rape or sexual assault or molestation? Why is it important that we discuss these things? It's because oftentimes victims do not see themselves as victims, and especially if they are within a society that does not see them as such. And in much of Mary Costa's research, she also discussed two other important terms, hidden rape and unacknowledged rape. And hidden rape refers to one who has never reported her experience to a rape crisis center or to the police, And unacknowledged rape victims are women who have experienced this behavior that is defined as rape and do not realize that their experiences constitute rape or choose not to view it in that way. And a lot of times these women do not view it in that way because society has told them and continues to repeat over and over that they're not rapable. They're not the ideal image of someone who could be defiled. And again, this is important because when you're talking about young people and their experiences, they carry these things throughout life. Whether it's child abuse, and it's not of a sexual nature, bullying, even if it's not of a sexual nature, these things carry throughout a child's life into adulthood. There's a lot of research that has linked health problems, mental health, as well as physical health to things that happen in childhood. So therefore, getting to the bottom of why children are treated the way they are, why women, especially black and brown women and children, are not seen as victims is important. Because at the least, the very least, if you can reclaim your own truth, you can try to work forward to healing so you can move on. I do remember hearing about the R. Kelly documentary. And this is a perfect example of how popular opinion of people impact lives, real lives. Um, During the R. Kelly documentary, it was reported that the National Sexual Assault Hotline, had an increase of 20% over the previous weeks in calls. It's also said that local um, sexual assault hotlines also and rape crisis hotlines also saw a spike um, in DC, different ones in Illinois, Cincinnati, um, and in a number of different key areas within the United States. So if there are a number of women, black women and children, seeing themselves for the first time in the victims, portrayed as being assaulted or as having this negative experience that is of a sexual or molestation nature. What is that saying about society if a lot of these people are just realizing now that they have been assaulted and impacted negatively? Well, to be honest, it says a lot. It says that not only were those people not allowed to Live in their truth in the moment or the moments afterwards when they were finally in a safe place. But that says that we, as a society, we've got a lot of work to do—not um, just toward inclusion, but to make sure that women and children, in particular, feel safe and feel safe to discuss their experiences, safe to look for healing, safe to look for validation, and most importantly, to have grace and comfort while they are going about their journey Um, don't mind the sound in the background it will stop in a few minutes um but on that note let's go ahead and talk a little bit more about adultification and don't worry in the online um in the description of this podcast episode don't worry i have the receipts i always bring the receipts All the references are there. All the information is always dotted and it is dotted and crossed like it should be. So do not come at me about statistics. I will always bring the facts. So on that note, um, on the subject of adultification and inappropriate and oftentimes illegal conduct of adults toward children, the age of consent around the world is relatively low. This was actually startling to me as I listened to an article the other week on one of my local radio channels in which Japan was in the process of increasing their age of consent from the age of 13 to 16. While that may be a shocker, the article went on and it threw out a few additional facts on other countries and their ages of consent. The age of consent is 16 in the UK 14 in Germany, and 15 in France. Who specifically benefits from the age of consent being this low? It is not the children involved. Think about this for a moment. Who really benefits from the age of consent laws being this low? If that doesn't startle you, then nothing else will. And again, if you've listened to this podcast and you've been triggered in a negative way, you really have to think to yourself or at least confront yourself and ask yourself why. And You've got to ask yourself why on at least four different levels. Because the more you ask yourself why, you can finally get to the root reason as to why you feel that children whose brains are not developed, and are not in a position to truly protect themselves from adult predators. So I'll just give just a little bit of information on my experiences. And unfortunately, they started fairly young. Luckily, it was not at home. It was at school. Kindergarten, five. I was five at the time. When I was, I guess I'd I'd consider it more molestation the first time. Someone saw it, reported it to the teacher. And I felt relieved at that moment. I felt like I, I did I knew I personally did not have the words for what had happened, but I was hoping that adult teacher would do her job. Inform the principal, inform my family, which she did not ultimately. But what she did, and and it has stayed with me now for over 40 years. And she took me outside with the two boys who assaulted me, and she paddled her hands and told us never to do that again. Even though, again, I was not doing anything, I was having something done to me. And don't worry, that stayed with me. At that point, I do know I I pretty much acquired a guilty conscience, which I've had for many, many, many years. And also... It allowed me to completely detach myself from other experiences that were not so pleasant as well. Not too much longer after that, I did have another incident that went on for a number of years. And again, this was also in the school setting by another student. And before you say, why didn't you report it? Why didn't you tell? Well, first of all, the first time it happened, someone did tell and it was dealt with in the worst way possible, punishing the victim. I had not, after that that paddling, I had never had any other incidents of being paddled. I, I was never a discipline problem. However, what had been done to me, I was being treated as if I was the problem. And so the other incidents that went on for, I think it was about three or four years, The teachers, they knew something was off, but they they never really questioned, whenever they saw more than one set of footprints in the bathroom, they would say, those you know, you will get in trouble for that. That never happened. Um, You know, there was just a number of things in which the adults around could have and should have done their job. Even if they didn't really care about little black kids and this little black girl, they should have at least done their job. And so again, I'm unfortunately one of those people who can tell you after many years of therapy, I mean, wow, decades of therapy at this point, is the reason why I can say this so calmly. I can tell you my story, I can tell you my truth, and I can get my truth out there, because for me, that's the only way to heal. But as a result of those educators not doing their jobs, I was robbed of the chance to have my family involved involved who I'm pretty sure would have done the right thing and gotten me some variation of care or help. But they were robbed of those experiences and I was robbed of healing. And I was also robbed of being able to understand that what happened to me was not my fault. And so for many, many years, and again, I mean, roughly over 40 years, I have lived with a guilty conscience in which when things happen around me that don't even have anything to do with me I somehow just intrinsically believe that somehow some way in the universe maybe in a previous life is usually what I'll think is that somehow I'm to blame and at least if not completely but at least partially. So that let that sit with you for a moment. Again, this is not an easy conversation to have, but I do believe this is something that definitely should be tackled, not just in our society, but around the world. When you really look at the cases of sexual assault around the world, violence against women and children, it is rampant. It is something that has been a problem pretty much since the beginning of time. Some people will use the defense that it's in the Bible, that these things happen. But also, if I'm not mistaken, the Bible and other religious documents usually tell people, (laughs) the believers, that it is up to them to do their part in making the world better. Not allowing these things that are truly heinous to continue. You don't have to understand always, you, you don't have to always connect the dots between what happens in childhood to how it impacts one in their adulthood. But again, those things do. Um, and again, this um, podcast has lasted a little bit longer than I had expected, but I did plan to reach out and include my experiences as to why um, the big T is so important to me. And again, the big T is trauma. And like I've mentioned in previous podcasts, there are different types of trauma. There's small T's and little T's um, and big T's again are when you're dealing with things that have an impact profoundly on your life and normally will impact the trajectory of it as well. So going forward, we will continue on with the trauma, the various different types of trauma, as well, like I've mentioned before, in me working on getting to my truth and moving forward. And I hope this is at least helpful. um, And especially for those who may not have considered some of the more unpleasant incidents that have happened to them, and at least examine it and understand that you can own your own truth. And I think that was also another reason why it took so long for me to be able to come to my truth is that society continued to say, and I would see it on in the news. I would see it um, on TV shows. I'd even hear teachers and other educators in my schools talk about, well, you know, that person shouldn't have worn that. Um, this person really can't be a victim. This person may have had a history Okay, all those things can be true, and also someone can be victimized at the same time. Being a victim is not something that is only a status that pure white or white pureness can be touched by. It actually touches the marginalized communities at a much greater rate, and the marginalized community members are less likely to be able to get the care and help they need, and let alone be able to even acknowledge it, whether it's because of family dynamics, culture, customs, traditions, and a lot of times it just goes back to stigma and also the potential loss of income of those family members. And with that stated, my own experience is maybe why I am so passionate about bringing awareness, not just for individuals looking to find their truth, but also to bring light to these issues. Unfortunately, talking about such delicate topics is often not the type of conversation that most people want to have at a dinner table, let alone in a get together with friends and family where they're looking to have a good time. These are conversations that are definitely more sensitive in nature, but they definitely need to be had. It is also important to look at yourself and see how do you play a role in this society? Are you one who advocates for the adults or for the children? You have to pick a side because when you think you're not picking a side, you're still picking a side. And again, I will go ahead and end this podcast, and I hope you found this to be interesting, and at least at the the least, food for thought. And for those who are looking to find healing and self-acceptance, hopefully, my truth will help you. And again, this is Dr. Antoinette D. Coslow. You are listening to The Big T, Trauma. And... You're welcome.